Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Hemant, welcome back. Thank you. We're together uh, again. We're together again. It's been like a month. It has been. It's been, it's weird uh, not doing this now because yeah. I'm used to it and it's fun. <laughs> um, okay. There, there's a handful of stories we really want to get to. Today is uh, Thursday, August 31st. We wanted to get to a few stories because uh, a, a handful of things just went completely out of proportion yeah. in terms of uh, how relevant they are and how much people are talking about them. Mm-hmm. So what... Let's start with Joel Osteen. (laughs) Because the stories, there's a couple ways of thinking about this. Here's the story. The hurricane hits Houston, uh, especially Houston Mm -hmm. and other cities in Texas. It's really bad. People are displaced. Joel Osteen has this church that is so big. Like a mega, mega. Mega church. They literally bought out the Houston Rockets old basketball arena. Is that where they got it? Yeah. That's how Jesus. big this place is. And it literally is in a refurbished like basketball arena. So when I was writing, I sold my soul on eBay like 10 years ago, more mm-hmm. than that. Uh, this is one of the churches I visited. So I've been there. Oh, I didn't know that. And it is and big. I read that book. I s- sure we did. <laughs> I, I read it. <laughs> and I sat, I think, on the three-point line where it would be. Like that's how close I was to yeah. the stage. It was amazing. It's and an, so it's an amazingly been... huge place. Uh, it's kind of like where the... Uh, Not where the hoop would be, but like where the side behind the hoop bleachers would be is the stage. Okay. Um, So sitting on the three-point line, you're pretty close up. Mm -hmm. And the whole place is so full. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I read somewhere they get like 30 to 40,000 people in a weekend over the course of several services. But it is. So this is a place that seats, uh, I read, 16,000 plus people. Mm -hmm. Huge place. And so when the hurricane happens... And that's just public stuff. So like, yeah. let alone whatever is behind the scenes that I'm sure... Exactly. Yeah. All the corridors, all right. the different rooms for Sunday school and all that. Uh-huh. Classrooms. Yeah. They have a lot of space. And so when the hurricane opens, you would think, oh, now there's a place to use as a shelter yeah. to house a lot of people. And Joel Osteen opened his doors and welcomed people in and, and everybody was happy. So this is where it gets weird. It's not that he did that, but as far as we knew, it wasn't like he was saying... We're shutting the door to everybody. The thing is, no one knew what was going on here. And it clearly wasn't open as a shelter. Right. That's what we're, we knew. Right. That's what the story was. People were wondering on Twitter, social media, like, why hasn't this megachurch pastor, the rich, rich guy who makes millions of dollars, has this huge TV ministry mm-hmm. of all the places to open up shop? Yeah. This would be one of them. Why aren't you doing it? Uh-huh. 
And he was radio silent, basically. Like the usual Bible verses on his Twitter feed. The church said, here's the place to give resources uh-huh. and stuff like that. But they were not saying, come on in, we are housing you. Right. Um, when I first heard this story, when I first heard they were not using the church as a shelter, mm-hmm. my first thought is that seems weird, even for them. Because, I mean, just think about it from a PR standpoint. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Nothing else It's good PR. It's such, if they said, hey, we are Christians, we are opening our door to right. the public, not only is that good People publicity. People faiths are welcome yes. and whatever, the umbrella of God. Think of the donations they would get yeah. just by sheer goodwill and they weren't doing it. And, and it would be the right thing to do. It would be. And by the way, I should say, uh, there's a, a group of Muslim, uh, a group of mosques yeah. in Houston that said, we're open for business. <laughs> and, and Come what, on down. And not after like public pressure. We're, no, we're, yeah. Just like, no well, one publicly shamed them to do that. They just said, we're open. Come on down if you right. want a place to stay. Now, And I should point out that in the past, Lakewood Church, uh, Joel Osteen's church, they have helped people out in times like this. Just to name a couple, um, in 2001, Houston had a tropical storm. Mm-hmm. They functioned as, as a shelter for like 5,000 people. Um, last year, there was a local a flood. Mm-hmm. In like April, they, they didn't shelter, but they held a benefit concert with all the money going to what I believe is a secular relief fund. Oh, cool. So they've done benefits before. They've housed people before. This mm-hmm. is not out of the question. So for them not to do it in this case made me think maybe there's a good reason mm-hmm. for that. And I posted about this and it got a lot of reaction and I got a lot of flack for it too. But my thought was maybe there's a good reason they're saying no. Maybe the roads to get to the church were inaccessible. Uh-huh. Um, you're giving him as much benefit of the doubt. Trying to. Like, you're not dogpiling on him. Yeah, because this is not a guy who is known for being a dick. Right. (laughs) You know, um, as far as, as far as pastors go, this is not a guy who is known for that. Even when it comes to, like, uh, gay marriage, he is against it, but when he goes to interviews, he tries so hard not to say anything about the issue unless you press him on it. Okay. And even then, he's, like, trying to give as nice of an answer as possible. Like, as far as jerks go, this isn't one of the bad guys. He's just rich. That's the worst thing you could say about this guy. He preaches the prosperity gospel. Even Christians don't like him because he doesn't really rely on the Bible that much during sermons. Yeah, I I see what you mean in that he is not an outright, like, vile human being. Yeah. But I would argue that any megachurch pastor is inherently the pits. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, Why? I I think and I and I've been on this for a few weeks because it's really been like boggling my mind lately of this whole like idea of Christians are supposed to be charitable and kind and whatever and they're actively not doing that. I think if you are on the level of being a mega pastor, yeah, they're called megachurch pastor. Uh, if not and the largest is, church in the country, it's one of the largest yeah, churches. Yeah, and he in the is country. a name, right? Uh-huh. Like he is a person and I would say that there is no way that what he is doing just justifies the kind of salary he's drawing in the kind of lifestyle he's living if you are going to preach the prosperity gospel if you're going to be this person who's telling people to like just the fact that he doesn't donate all of his money to charity and live a relatively modest life to me as a, and and it's not saying anybody who has money shouldn't be given back 
whatever, that's a different argument. But I would just say if somebody was making their money off the back of Christianity, maybe you should at least put the front of like, yes, I am a zillionaire, but I live in a modest house yeah. and, you know. And he lives in like a $10 million mansion. Right. Um, I would, uh, here's how I would rebut that, if anyway. Like, even Pastor Rick Warren in California mm-hmm. makes a big deal out about uh, about saying he reverse tithes. He gives 90% back to the church and keeps 10%, but his 10% is like way more than anybody else's right. 100%. But like, but, but that's, that's the thing. A, is, that's the idea, right? But that's the thing is like, you, if, if um, Osteen kept... 10% of what he made, he would still be better off than right. 95% of people in the country. I don't know where he gives money. I don't know that he gives money. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not heard that he's like, um, like he doesn't give to charity or something like that. I would say that I think in some ways he's kind of like Barack Obama, that he didn't necessarily get rich from being a pastor. I don't know what his salary is. Maybe mm-hmm. it is crazy, but I don't know that it is. Well, he's written a zillion That's books. where his money's coming from, yeah. like Obama. It's coming from the books. Right. They're bestsellers. Right. He makes a ton of money from that. So I, I don't know that he's making it, quote unquote, from the church, but Re- he is making it from Christianity. So, okay, so he's rich. Okay. So the question is, it's, you have the ability to do something huge here. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, he did not give some big donation, or at least he didn't make a public thing about it. Right. And he didn't open the doors to his church as far as we knew. So trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the city of Houston said, look, the roads are inaccessible, right. so don't ask thousands and thousands of people to drive there. Mm-hmm. Maybe their basement was flooded. Maybe uh, they didn't have the manpower to handle Thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of people in that building. I don't. I don't know. And at the time, this is like Friday or Saturday when the uh, brunt of the hurricane was hitting everything. Um, we didn't have the answers to that, so that's where the benefit of the doubt was coming from. Now, some people on Twitter they said, "Here, I got a picture of the road outside the church. It's pretty much empty." Right. That that doesn't mean. By the way, there were no cars in those pictures either. That doesn't mean the roads are accessible or that the city wanted people driving on them. Yeah, or is safe. They showed the basement of the church, like it was flooded, but it wasn't like you couldn't drive or house people there. But again, that's such a cherry-picked piece of information. Mm-hmm. I did not have any indication from any credible source that I could find, and mm-hmm. I looked <laughs> that said the city gave them the okay to do it. So that's where I was like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. It doesn't sound like closing off the church is the thing they would do, but so give them the benefit of the doubt here. Um, The next day, I believe, after the public shaming really hit the fan, (laughs) they finally said, hey, we've always had our doors open. Um, Sure they have. We always had the doors open. We weren't saying like, oh, you came to our church seeking shelter and we returned you away. No, no, no. We would have let you in. But they didn't advertise that, right? Um, That's they said not we. How that works. They said we were housing resources, like we were asking people to donate, and we had that set up in our church. They had pictures of that, so okay. But Joel Osteen basically, like by Sunday morning, he was doing an apology tour on every Sunday morning talk show or something, saying, "Look, uh, it's not that we're rejecting; we are welcoming people into our church." But but it wasn't like the greatest. Uh, it, it's not an apology. Does and it have an excuse? Um, no, as far as I could tell, there wasn't really an excuse other than here's the one thing he said that bothered me. He said the city never asked us to be a shelter. Oh, come on. Yeah, they didn't ask the mosques either, but the Muslims were totally fine making their places shelters. Granted, they weren't housing thousands of people each, but 
They didn't, you don't need permission necessarily. No. And again, giving them benefit of the doubt, maybe if you're taking in 10,000 plus people, There's maybe you do need some liability issues. Maybe you do need to coordinate with the government. But again, that's a weak answer. Like with a church that big right. in a city that knows it's going to get hit with a hurricane, wouldn't you coordinate that Especially in advance? Especially because this isn't the first time it's happened. Yeah. So again, here's the one thing I would say now, having, it's been a few days and mm-hmm. he's done the apology tour horrible optics all around for the church. They should have done a better job with that. Mm -hmm. But I would still say, because I'm still getting backlash from even bothering to defend him, which is that you don't know what the conversation is like. I do not know that the city would have been okay had the church opened their doors to everybody. Yeah, and but but you're right that there's no way to no way to discount like how bad these optics are. Yeah. Like they did not come off looking good. No. And what they did was, I don't know if it's too little, but it was too late. Yeah. And they, for a church that size with that much money, that they should have done better, yeah. especially in Houston where they knew this was going to happen. And I mean, and we're hearing so many stories of, of not just, you know, mosques and churches, but like a, a friend, a guy who owns furniture stores, like opened yeah, the his mattress doors. stores. Yeah, <laughs> I love that, and uh-huh. like I get it that there probably are liability concerns, but but because again, when dude, Katrina like, happened, the Superdome opened for people, and that was a disaster right, for right. other reasons. But it was a disaster, so maybe they didn't want that to happen. But again, you've had ten years; you should figure this thing out yeah, in case feel of emergency. Like a contingency plan that should be in place, yeah. especially given that, like. It's not like, oh, a hurricane hit Chicago. We're not ready for that because it's not possible. It's not a thing that happens. Right. This Houston should have been prepared Houston. for this. Um, they did release a statement. Um, I think this is Saturday night after the backlash uh, from Joel Osteen. Quote, we have never closed our doors. We will continue to be a distribution center for those in need. We are prepared to house people once shelters reach capacity. Which is weird, but not before. Okay. Hmm. Lakewood will be a value to the community in the aftermath of this storm and helping oh, our fellow citizens rebuild their that. lives. No, which is no, another way of no, saying church no, will do no, business no, and you're no, welcome to come, no, I think. No. But Joel. So again, Joel. bad, bad statement. No. How do you have that much bad, money bad, and bad, bad, oh bad, 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 apparently a horrible PR person? Terrible PR person. And like none of the thing is this is all unforced errors. Yes. This should been this should have been on the table, something that was discussed. You, it shouldn't take public shaming yeah. for one of the presumably one of the biggest buildings in Houston to be like, oh no, yeah, you could totally mm-hmm. come by. Whatever. So again, uh, and I would say I, I'm, I'm still ambivalent on this. I don't think I'm a hypocrite to say it was totally unfair to criticize them with the amount of criticism he got early on after mm-hmm. the hurricane. And I still don't think we have all the information, but I do think they can be blamed now for some of the way they've responded and. It doesn't sound like a church that had the answer. They could have said if it was true. You know what? The city said, we don't want people, that many people coming to the church. We don't want them taking the roads. We don't want that many people in one place. Uh, they could have said any of that. They right. didn't. They didn't, which suggests well, that none of that was the case. But I don't know. Well, and I think I think there's two things worth, worth being angry about, if we're going to be angry about the situation. One is whether or not the church did open its doors to those in need. And the other is whether or not they handled the situation well. And I think Mm -hmm. whether or not they should have or could have opened up their doors, I think, yeah, we could, at this point, we can say, like, yeah, they probably should have done something. Um, But I think further, this whole thing just detracted from everything else. Like, the least they could do was say, like, wave people off. And even if it's a vague thing of, 
I'm sorry, we can't accept people for safety concerns or even liability concerns, like whatever, like Tell whatever, them that. yeah, like whatever your <laughs> bullshit answer is. But I think they owed the city of Houston at least an explanation why their well, you know, Houston's wealthiest Christian son isn't opening his yeah. arms open. Opening his arms open, whatever it is, is a tell, tell us what you're gonna do next yeah. time around. I would love, I would love to know the answer to that question. Tell us what you're gonna do if this happens in the future. How, tell us how you're coordinating. Um, granted, you effed this up totally, but tell us yeah. what you're gonna do in the future. That would be helpful. Because I feel like most places, ha- especially if you're, if they're okay. Yeah. For example, we grew up, or I grew up in the, you grew up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Did you, I did tornado drills? Every like twice a year, mm-hmm. every year for my entire life, because we knew we live in the Midwest. Tornadoes come here, and we always had a contingency plan. We knew exactly schools, where yes. we were going. We had to like duck and cover. Uh, all the- having worked for a public school for several years, mm-hmm. we had uh, emergency plans in the case of like a shooting. Like <sighs> seriously, this happens after Columbine. Yeah. But like we knew exactly where we were supposed to take the kids, uh-huh. which areas in the community we were going to take the kids to. And yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. If you know some things might happen, you draw up those contingency that, plans. And it sounds like Joel Osteen was totally caught off guard. Like they never saw this that, coming. I guess that's exactly my point. Like that, I think we are like, even if you say, okay, we didn't know what was happening. We can't be mad at them just for simply not opening their doors. Fine. I will grant you that. I will. But, but I will say if they couldn't, because they were unprepared or they just caught on their heels or whatever, that's totally, that's squarely on them. That it, it is your responsibility when you're that big a part of a city. It's absolutely your responsibility to be ready for cases like these. Um, two Christian reporters that I know that I trust have, and who have covered, mm-hmm. one of them has written about Joel Osteen for years, worked in Houston for a long time, mm-hmm. have both said, uh, more or less, look, this is a guy... And they're saying this, even though they are Christian, they are saying this from like an objective perspective. This is a guy that gets shit on a lot and often for stupid reasons. Right. Uh, we covered him on this podcast a couple of months ago because remember his son graduated uh, from Texas oh, and, and did the longhorn thing? gesture. And like Christians were like, you're doing the satanic one. Like he gets right. ridiculed for everything. Well, he's under a microscope. Yes. And he doesn't always deserve it is what they said. Mm-hmm. And they were saying like... We don't have all the information yet, but he's probably getting way more criticism than he deserves right now, Mm -hmm. at least until we hear more of the story. Um, Okay. I want to move to a different story, which is uh, another thing that seems to have caught fire because it came on Tuesday, I think, after the hurricane, Mm -hmm. which is the worst timing to do anything. Sure. But okay, a group of about 150 Christian pastors release something they're calling the Nashville statement. You know what, Hammond? I yes. So I was in Boston and Maine for a week and yes. I flew back on Tuesday and I was checking Twitter and I saw this happening and I was like, and still it's Thursday now and I'm still like, I don't really have the energy to read what this garbage is yet. <laughs> so I'm about to hear, I know it's awful yeah. and I believe homophobic. Oh Yeah. <laughs> so okay all right so my point is this is gonna be fresh also i did bring beer today because i thought it would be rough um nuclearis ufta if you live within driving distance of wisconsin i've been there oh you have been it's a why useless place guys... for me yeah, because i'm not go? a beer person uh, uh blame the in-laws <laughs> it was fine it's a lovely place i just i'm not a drink brought, like beer person so i brought him a coors light and he doesn't like beer so now i'm gonna drink them both because i'm very brave <laughs> Ah, there's a baby somewhere. I'll give it to the baby. No. There is a new baby. He's, there is a new baby. He's listening to me swear right now. Eh, he's sleeping. He, he's nothing, sleeping. None of this will get through. He's very cute and healthy. Yes. 
Um, and I'm on two hours of sleep right now. I'm oh, so no, tired. Oh, no, this is going to be great. <laughs> wait, wait, I just really quick. Yeah. So I left for Boston. So he was born, what, the... Tw- uh, three weeks-ish three weeks ago. ago. And about a week after he was born, I was dropping off the recording qu- equipment to Hammett because I was leaving for Boston the next day. And Hammett was so fried. He was like, so how was your trip? And I was like, I'm leaving tomorrow for <laughs> That it. sounds about right. <laughs> it, was, it was really cute. <laughs> anyway. Um, baby's good, healthy. It's all nice. Yeah. Uh, big sister is big sister. Big sister is big sister. She didn't throw anything off her plate. I was very proud of yes. her. Yes. <laughs> okay. So this Nashville statement. Oh, yeah. Um, here's what they did. Uh, these 150 people, they are part of a group, uh, or at least the group that organized this was called the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Oh, God. And these 150, oh, and no. they, <laughs> I guess they've been working on this statement for more than a year. Uh-huh. Um, more than a oh, week honey, ago. Hit the pause button yeah, on that. More than a week ago, they gathered at some conference where mm-hmm. all these pastors were at, and they all signed it, or at least they agreed to sign it more than a week ago, and they planned to release it a week later, which just so happened to be after the hurricane, which is horrible timing, Ooh. but it was planned in advance, you hey, know what I mean? I work in marketing. <laughs> Do you need help from me? <laughs> they could have postponed it. I don't help. really get why they stuck to the timetable. Just table, hire but. a PR person, please. Yeah. But okay, here's what the statement basically says. It's, it's their declaration that they signed in Nashville um, <laughs> of their commitment to, like, man-woman marriage. And there are 14 articles to this statement. And by the way, they've done similar God, statements before. They think before. they're in the Federalist Papers, don't they? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going <laughs> like to skim... Someone's going to write a musical about this someday. Let, I'm going to skim Hamilton. through these because these are worth discussing individually. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, Article 1. Um, I'll read them and then we can talk about it. We affirm that God has designed marriage to be a covenantal, sexual, procreative, lifelong union of one man and one woman, blah, 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 husband and wife. We deny that God has designed marriage to be a homosexual, polygamous, or polyamorous relationship. Oh, you know what? I'm impressed that they know the word polyamory. We also deny that marriage is a mere human contract rather than a covenant made before God. So, in other words, marriage is religious Uh only. Like, the word marriage belongs to religion. It only applies to man-woman relationships. And so, gay marriage? No, No. not legitimate. Uh, Polyamory? Not legitimate. Uh, polygamy not legitimate but again the big deal is marriage is one man and one woman i guess okay i know we're we're only at one yeah but i guess do they so would they take issue with like you and i are both married but neither of us got married in a church Uh uh-huh like so do our marriages quote unquote count uh legally i think they would say they do but uh it's not it's more than that if you're supposed to differentiate yes they're just Okay, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, Article two. We affirm that God's revealed will for all people, everyone, has to be, uh, is chastity outside of marriage Mm -hmm. and fidelity within marriage. So no sex unless you're married. Great. And when you're married, you're only with that one person. So no swinging, no polyamory, whatever. Now that it's on this thing, then nobody will ever have sex before marriage. Never. Oh, by the way, sorry, rest of article two. We deny that any affections, desires, or commitments are ever justify sexual intercourse before or outside marriage, nor do they justify any sexual immorality. So again, you must be celibate Mm -hmm. when you're not married. You must be monogamous during marriage. Mm -hmm. But what this means is if you are religious and you have any kind of sex really before marriage, you are doing something really, really bad. It's the whole sex uh, slut shaming sort of thing that they do with a lot of Christian women and almost never Christian men. 
would this sort of chunk of people uh-huh. be the kind of people who would say you should only have sex for procreational purposes too? Um, like, are do they are no. they that hard line that like no. once you're married, you can have sex for fun when you're married. That's fine, but only within marriage. But here's the where this what they're really hinting at: mm-hmm. if you're gay. Because you can't get married, see Article One, then you don't get to have sex ever. Sure, that's hey, hey guys, really reasonable. Uh huh. Article Three, uh, we affirm that God created Adam and Eve, the first human beings, in His own image. Adam and Steve, please tell me they put not Adam and Steve. (laughs) They did not say that. Uh, They are equal before as before God as persons and Uh, distinct as male and female. We uh, deny that the divinely ordained differences between male and female rendered them unequal in dignity or worth. What does that mean? It means you're liars. <laughs> Adam and Eve were shit. real people. God made them men and women. They have specific differences. Mm-hmm. And so anyone who tries to blur the line between male and female, so whatever, uh, hinting at transgender issues, hinting oh, at intersex see, issues, well, uh, and me, the, like, the roles that men and women play, are supposed to play, that's what they're hinting. So the thing that, that stuck out to me in that, Article 2 or whatever it was called, is this sort of notion that we're pretending that Christian men actually think men and women are equal, just in different roles. And I just think that's so disingenuous. And, and it's I, it's part of a idea called complementarianism right. that, you know, we are equal, but women can only do certain things and men have to do certain things. And those things that women do are solely within the house, solely within the home, always <laughs> deferring to their husband. I just, and maybe they do think that that's an equal role because I've heard that kind of tossed around of like, well, women have the power to create life. So I just, it just hooks me out. I hate it. Um, article four is stemming from the exact same thing, which is to say we affirm that the divinely ordained difference between male and female reflects God's original creation, blah, blah, blah. We deny that such differences are the result of the fall or a tragedy to be overcome. So again, Men and women have their place. They have their roles. Mm-hmm. That's not accidental. Women don't need to like lean in and rise up above it. Mm-hmm. They just need to accept their lot in life. Sure. Um, same idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, article five. Wait, what this, was article three? Uh, article three was Adam and Eve. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Got it, got it. So got it, article got it. five, we affirm that the differences between male and female reproductive structures are integral to God's design for self-conception as male or female. We deny that physical anomalies or psychological conditions nullify all of that. So basically, if you're transgender, yeah. you were born one way, but you identify in a different way. Nope. Or if, or if you're nope. Doesn't like, apply. If you're born with ambiguous genitalia, yep. like which happens pretty frequently... Yep, you're out of luck. There's nowhere for you on their spectrum of two what, things. I guess, what is it like to live in this little bubble oh, that oh. they that they sincerely believe that anybody who doesn't think exactly like them or ha- like their experiences are all experiences. It's it's absolutely mind boggling. Yeah. Oh, we're not done yet. It oh gets worse. Um, we're at Article s- 14. I'll, I'll speed this up, <laughs> but again. Article 6, we affirm that those born with the physical disorder of sex development are created in the image of God and have dignity and worth. Um, and we deny that... Ambi- oh, so anyone born with a physical disorder, God still loves you. Um, they Just are not as much as he loves they sh- other people. Blah, blah, blah. They should embrace their biological sex insofar as it may be known. What the 
fuck does that mean? Mm, we deny that ambiguities related to a person's biological sex render one incapable of living a fruitful life in joyful obedience to Christ. Um, again, this is more of the intersex. If you're what? not born... Why do they care Genitalia so determines everything is what this comes down to. Genitalia determines everything. If you don't have a properly functioning genitalia, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. Pick which side you're closer to, and that's what God wanted you to be, and that's it. So if your dick doesn't work, you're still a man. If you had your uterus removed or something, you're still a woman. Um, I don't know. That's Article 7. Ugh. We affirm that uh, self-conception as male or female should be defined by God's holy purposes... Okay, this is getting redundant. I know. We deny that adopting a homosexual or transgender self-conception, because we choose that for ourselves, is consistent with God's holy purposes. Okay, cool. You can't be gay, you can't be transgender, and if you think you are, you're not. That's what Article 7 boils down to. Eight, we affirm that people who have attraction, I'm paraphrasing, who have attraction for the same sex can still... Have live a rich and fruitful life pleasing to God. Uh-huh. It's okay if you're gay. That's fine. We deny that sexual attraction for the same sex is part of the natural goodness for God's creation um, or that it puts a person outside the hope of the gospel. I should have brought more beer. Again, if you're gay, that's fine. God loves you. But unwritten here. But don't act on don't it. Don't act on it. Um, Article 9. Uh, We affirm that sin distorts sexual desire by directing them away from the marriage covenant and toward immorality. Um, We deny that an enduring pattern of desire for sexual immorality justifies sexually immoral behavior. Look, we know you want to do things other than, like, have a monogamous relationship. Don't. But when they say things like that, and forgive me for being blue, are they also talking about, like, not just outside the covenant of marriage or whatever, but are they talking about, like, "Quote unquote sexually deviant things." Oh, I'm sure like they are. It's unwritten. Not missionary. Yes. Yeah. Married. Uh, like there's only one type of sex that's okay. Yeah. Missionary and like nothing else because everything else is kind of sinning. I guess. Kind of, but in what? Because in Jesus what? specifically hey guys, said, "Don't do sodomy." Way? It's in the gospel. I, they're in making what it up. Specific here's, way. Here's the one that probably is the I worst like of the bunch. Hear. I don't know. Because we're not there yet. Article 10 is probably the most controversial one. We affirm that it is sinful to approve of homosexuality or transgenderism, and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faithfulness. If you say it's okay uh, to have wow. gay sex or to be in a gay relationship or to be transgender, you are not a real Christian. Fuck. We deny that the approval of homosexual immorality or transgenderism is, is just a moral, you know, it's just a moral difference that we all have and we're all still good Christians. That is a no. bold stance. Yeah. This is the one that got uh, even Christians mad. So, you know, take that progressive Christians and anyone under 30. <laughs> um Really quickly. Article 11, mm-hmm. it's our duty to speak the truth in love at all times. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Article 12 uh-huh. basically says if you loved God, you wouldn't sin. Um, so if you've had homosexual desires, wait, it's not too wait, late to wait, repent. Wait, yes. Pause on this one. Yes. Isn't there thing that all humans are sinners and we're always sinning all the time? Or yes, is that but specifically Catholic? If you follow that? Jesus, it will put to rest, you would put to rest those desires. You would find a way to like 
repress and suppress so all of those. these good, good boys said they never sin- sinned because they love God so much? Uh, you're assuming that homosexuality is an equal sin to whatever sins they may have committed. It is not. This is the only... But they didn't say this specific um, sin. Article 12... The grace of God enables followers of Jesus to put to death sinful desires and to walk in the matter worthy of the Lord. Cool, guys. Um... Hey, congratulations, church. You've officially made yourself I know, fucking I know. useless. Uh, number 13. If you're transgender, uh, God gives you the ability to, like, uh, not be transgender is more or less what this boils down to. You can forsake your transgender self-conceptions. And Article 14, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus loves you, Jesus. Um, okay, enough of that. Here's what all of this boils down to. Uh and sorry, they're representing yeah. which specific chunk of religion? Um, evangelical Christianity is okay. more or less the people who signed this. Uh-huh. Um, but here's where this becomes problematic. It's not a surprise to hear them say, we love gay people, but we hate gay sex. Mm-hmm. We don't think transgenderism is a thing. Mm-hmm. That's not news. The bigger thing here is that if you don't agree with us on this, we don't think you're a good, faithful, true Christian. Cool. That's surprising. That came, that's a big deal that was not no, kind of you know out Good. there before. Good. I'm glad they're drawing their line in the sand. I'm glad they're drawing the line in the sand because, fine, cool. You're officially excusing these people from church every Sunday because even <laughs> if they do all of your little bullshit right, if they have a gay friend or cousin or brother or like, you know, like gay Will and Grace, God, I wish I could think of more. <laughs> reference there then you're a bad christian or you're not a christian cool guys come to my house on sundays we'll have bloody marys we'll be so fun There's like think about all the things they did stupid i mm-hmm. think with all this first of all they called it the nashville statement because that actually fits a pattern of other statements they've put out in the past the same group but the mayor of nashville no. uh, megan barry actually put out a statement very quickly by the way that said the so-called Nashville statement is poorly named and does not represent the inclusive values of the city and people of Nashville. Is it? Go her. That's awesome. Is, oh, my God. I'm conflating um, Nashville and Houston right now. Doesn't uh, one of them have a lesbian mayor? Uh, Houston did, did. have okay. one. Uh, 18 months ago is when she left office. Got it. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but a lot of Christians online were so quick to denounce this because... Um, they're basically drawing a line in the stand, sand as to what it means to be a Christian mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with accepting Jesus. Right. And that's like even that's heretical even for progressive Christians. Um, it's stupid because they put it out on Tuesday after the hurricane. So like it's coming out while other people yeah. have like everyone's drowning. People are dying and you're worried about transgender people. people and transgender people. You know, um, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, when I was in Boston on Monday, so it was before this came out. On Monday, my husband and I were walking around um, Cambridge and the Harvard campus and stuff like that. We're walking to meet a friend for dinner, and we walked by a, and there was a lot, a lot in Boston, a lot of churches with like gay flags and, and, you know, everybody's welcome here, love has no place here, that kind of thing, which is great. Yeah. Um, And we were walking by one in Cambridge on, it was on Massachusetts Avenue, I think, um, and it had a row of signs in front of it that were like, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, abuse against women must end, gay people, like, pro-gay, st- very li- strong liberal stances. And as we're walking by the front, we look to see what kind of church it is, and it was a Southern Baptist church. And we were floored at that. Like, I just, 
I feel like usually you see that it in like Southern Baptist. Yes. Wow. Yeah, because a I didn't know there, there was a huge Southern ba- Baptist faction. Yeah, there in are Baptist Boston. churches that are pretty awesome about that yeah. stuff. The Southern Baptist ones are not usually one of them. Yeah, Mikey so. and I just like like physically stopped. Like, wait, wait, what? I just assumed it was like huh. a kind of Episcopalian <clears throat> sort of deal. Right. Uh, the, another issue that they that is kind of another big deal with this statement is that these are the same people. A lot of the signers of this document are some of the same people who are defending Donald Trump at all costs. They ha- they didn't put out a statement when Donald Trump was running saying uh, sexually assaulting women and grabbing their pussies without consent was wrong. Mm-hmm. They didn't put out a statement for that. They didn't put out a statement against his immigration policies or like banning Muslims or whatever it is. They have nothing to say about those things. But when it comes to gay people or transgender people trying to exist... They put out a statement saying, "Well, you're not real Christians, and fucking, anyone who supports you—it's such fucking garbage." Is not and real this Christian. and this goes back to the thing that we've said a lot. And I know I at one point I did a rant about it that this thing of like, "Oh, we're protecting women and we're protecting people," until women come forward and say, "Like, hey, I've been hurt by a man," and then they're like, "Oh, honey, no, like, no, 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 like you were wearing a low cut shirt, so <laughs> that's what happened." Like this sort of two facedness. I don't think that's a mm-hmm. adjective. Two facedism of they're pretending to be so concerned about our moral well being, but but their line of what is moral versus immoral, and or not even what's moral versus immoral, but what's like actionably immoral versus immorality. So like yeah, like one in four women is going to get sexually assaulted in her lifetime, and yes, like rape on campus is underreported and underpunished, but. And even even if they acknowledge, like, yeah, that's bad, they're not getting together and having a fucking conference and releasing 14, like, talking points on it. Why is it Why is it the gay thing? Why? Why is this the hill they're going to die right. on? Because don't get me wrong, this is the hill they're going to die on. Oh, They've yeah. lost this fight. They have no moral authority, especially after, None. like, again, 81% of evangelicals voted for Trump, and it doesn't mean, and white evangelicals, I should say. Yeah. Black uh, evangelicals, very different. Mm-hmm. But white evangelicals, 81% supported Trump, and they will tell you, most of them, I'm sure, will tell you, we don't love Trump, but apparently nothing he did was so off-putting that they either didn't vote at Mm -hmm. all or voted for Hillary Clinton. Like, they still weren't bothered by it, even if they don't love the guy. And that's almost as bad. So they have no moral authority. Honestly, you could put this whole Nashville statement on an ugly colored sign and they would be indifferentiable from like Westboro Baptist Church. You're 100% right. Um, just because they didn't use the same language doesn't mean they're not that different. Um, but you, you mentioned this is like the stupid hill they're going to die on. Yeah. Yeah, because... You've lost this one. Oh, yeah, even younger evangelicals are like, this is stupid. Um, they, they don't have a lot of support other than from their conservative bubble. And again, if what's the point? Again, That's what's the exactly point of this right. statement? Are they trying to reach out to people? Are they trying to the say the only thing you're doing is scaring people off? Yes, it, it has a strategic thing. Which this is, is it, dumb. Is it like a galvanization thing? Is it like we only I, want true Christians? So like, I think their argument is that line. their argument is they see a lot of Christians who are like waffling, waffling on this particular LGBTQ rights issues. Yeah, and they're fucking, you lost the fight. They see that slipping away from them, so they're trying to double down and say, no, 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 this is what we believe and this That's is what, what it, it means to be a true why, Christian. Why is it this? Why does it fucking matter? And there are so many things It's the that same I question would... a lot of Christians ask too. Why is, why is this sin singled out? Yeah. If we think everything's a sin, but like, why, why is the homosexuality, LGBT issues, 
why are those the ones you make a big deal about, but you don't do the same stuff about a guy that's been married three times, uh-huh. a guy that's been accused of assaulting women, of, of not... Oh, no, not accused. He's admitted. I mean, he's admitted to it. He has... He's he been doesn't, accused of rape. He doesn't pay his workers. He, like, that's... He doesn't give to charity. He brags. I mean, there's no shortage of things we could trash about Donald Trump, but the point is, these Christians don't seem to have a problem with that, mm-hmm. and at least they're not putting out statements like this, right. saying, let's talk about, you know, what it means to be a leader, <laughs> what it means to respect women. They don't put out these sorts of statements no, for that. they don't care, and I... God, I don't know. It, I feel like it has something to do, and maybe this is just the way my mind thinks. So the things that they're like willing to to like fall on their sword for is what gay marriage, uh, abortion, abortion, and like birth control. Right? <laughs> yeah. Those seem to be their top three, and those are all arguably related because it doesn't ever seem to be. They don't really have a big problem with lesbians. They don't. Like, lesbians seem to fly below their radar. They don't say the word as much. I think it still applies, but... But but when you talk about, like, the sinning that they do, you know they're just thinking <laughs> of... You know they're just thinking of, like, men having sex. Yeah, like, I mean, that's all women, they think about, period. Women, they think yeah, about it way more like, than gay guys do. <laughs> and so... And, like, and maybe this is, like, wh- a big stretch, but something about, like, they all sort of apply to femininity in a way that, like, they see most gay people as effeminate and thereby makes mm-hmm. them less men. I and have that, heard that argument. And that kind of lumps them into like w- feminine, femininity being strong almost. This is, I'm just spitballing. This may be nothing. Well, this goes but back like, to what they said in the articles themselves, which is that if you're a man, act like a man. And if yeah. you're a woman, you have your role and men shouldn't act like women or dress yeah. like women or be effeminate or want to, or have a desire right. for men. Because like, <laughs> so, you know, f- being a strong feminine figure, whether you're, because femininity doesn't belong to women. Feminine, anybody can be feminine. So I don't know. I just have this idea of like the birth control, the abortion, obviously are attacks on women specifically because they're not quote unquote men. I mean, it gives issues. women some power over yeah. their own bodies. And I wonder if there's something about like men being feminine, feminine to them. And this is a, obviously their sort of broad strokes of, of, that that freaks them out that fem- i don't know it just <laughs> maybe that's nothing but um, i can't stop thinking about it it's it's not surprising they they've been like this for a while but and also to say that being transgender just you're wrong is essentially what they're saying here just stop um which again goes against what anyone this isn't a moral issue this mm-hmm. is like nope if you're transgender you just don't understand just don't. yourself you're not really transgender. You're just choosing something else. Like, have you ever talked to a trans person? No, it, of course. Oh clearly, God, of they, course haven't. they haven't. Um, or not they knew of. Not that they know of, right. Uh, not openly. They haven't talked to anyone openly trans. Like, mm. if you did, you would know. But again, they don't. They never do. Well, and it's... Uh, the the trans thing is crazy because there's... I, I feel like... It's a lot of people who are like, oh, they just decide they're going to be this one day. Like, as if being trans isn't maybe the single most dangerous community to be a part of in terms of sexual assault, in terms of assault, suicide rates, all that stuff. Like, it's not fun being a trans person. Right. Like, they're not, not choosing not, to do that for the hell of it. Right. And I hope <laughs> I'm clear that, like, yeah. I'm not saying trans people aren't fun or great or whatever. I'm just saying, like, the journey of being a trans person and transitioning is painful yes. on many, many ways. Yeah. And I've And I've heard that. From gay people, too. Like, why would I choose to be gay given all the hardships that come with it? Given all your bullshit that you're delivering (laughs) at me. Right. Um, 
they're not choosing this. Yeah. And so it's a dumb statement. I mean, the one good thing I guess we could say about this is whatever impact they thought it would have. It's going to have the opposite. Yeah, it's not. Like, pe- one, people aren't talking about it because there are more pressing issues. But two, the, a lot of the vitriol against it has come from other Christians who are like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't buy into this. And you know what? There are 150 people who signed it and on the website for the statement. Um, and you could find it, just Google Nashville Statement. The people who signed it, their names are public. Good. Yeah. Like, get them on the list so you know exactly who these people are and why you shouldn't listen to what they say. Right. They're basically saying, hey, whatever respect you have for me, throw it away because I believe this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So... That happened. Um, I do want to talk about something else that actually came up uh, today, uh, Thursday, because it was stunning to me. Let's talk a little history here. What's the difference? And I'm putting you on the spot here, Jess. I don't know. What's the difference between a Protestant and a Catholic? Oh, okay. This one I... No, wait. I was thinking of Lutherans. Because somebody told me that Lutherans are just lazy Catholics. I don't Ah, know if that's right. I don't know. Protestants, I know, have to do with Martin Luther. Uh-huh. Which is why I get Go mixed on. up with Lutherans. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So this is my, like, high school understanding of seeing, like, a bad 80s grainy movie about Martin Luther in the... How many? 95. 95. Theses. Theses. So he nailed the 95 theses because he, he was anti... Um, the church was then selling indulgences and uh-huh. being very, like, money-focused. Glad that's changed. Good job, Martin Luther. <laughs> Um, and he didn't like that. And he read like one line in the Bible and I don't remember what that one line is, but I remember that it was like one line in the Bible and he's like, Oh, well, this is what the Bible means now. And was like, kind of gave the deuces to the Catholic church <laughs> and was like, no, this is it. Did more, I do it? I, more or less. Yes. Yeah. Now there are two big things drink. Martin Luther did uh, that. He said, yes, the church was being Catholic church was being immoral with the indulgence indulgences and whatnot. But uh, scripturally, in terms of what the religion actually believes, there were two big things he really pointed out. Okay. He said, first of all, the church says, don't, yes, the Bible's important. You should trust the Bible, mm-hmm. but you should also trust what we say. Right. So, you know, if the Vatican says something, the Pope is infallible, you should listen to the hierarchy. And this is also a time when many, many, many people are illiterate. Yeah, so, so you really have to. On the, on the yes. And Martin Luther said, no, no, no. It's not about what you say. I don't care Bible. about the church hierarchy. Mm-hmm. The Bible is all that matters. Mm-hmm. And making sure you have a correct interpretation of the Bible, right. sure. But rely on the Bible. Um, I'm saying this not because I knew it from memory, but because this is what it's called. Okay, That's I called sola. I really need to tell um, anybody that I didn't take any notes <laughs> on that. I didn't look it up on my phone. Very nice. Thank you. Um, so that trust in the Bible alone things. is called sola scriptura. And if I'm pronouncing that wrong, that'll make me look dumb. But there you go. The other thing he said is that what does it take to get into heaven, to get salvation? The Catholic Church... Is that the thing with the eye of the needle? Oh, no. Maybe? No. That's the rich people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What do you... Camels. uh, The Catholic Church was saying, yes, you have to accept Jesus and the divinity of Jesus and all that. Uh But you also have to do good things and be a good person. Okay. And Luther said... No, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and you accept salvation, you're golden. Which means so you if you're like, dick. yes, and accept Jesus genuinely, not uh-huh. just saying it, but genuinely accept the divinity of Jesus and that he died for your sins, and you'll still go to heaven. You could be on death row right now, having done a horrible thing, and still technically repent. And many people have. <laughs> uh-huh. And again, we can argue about whether they were sincere about that, but that's what the 
That's what Protestantism says. If you mm-hmm. accept Jesus' divinity, you're saved, you're good. That's why they want to save everyone. Right. Okay, so then that's called, by the way, sola fide. If you have the right beliefs in Jesus, mm-hmm. you're good. Okay. So again, those are the two kind of fundamental differences between Protestants and Catholics. Okay. I mean, that's what they're protesting against the Catholic Church, those two ideas. So the Pew Research Center just put out a survey. Because, by the way, when did the Protestant Reformation happen? 1517. It's almost 500 years to the day. Oh. So they they did a survey where they basically asked a bunch of people. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, 95 Theses, more or less. (laughs) They did a survey where they said, hey, Protestants, hey, Catholics, hey, other people, um, what do you believe about this stuff? Mm. And what they found is amazing because they asked Protestants. Um, all these questions like, do you believe faith in God alone is all you need to get into heaven? Mm-hmm. Or do you think you need to believe in God and do good things? If you're Protestant. I God, I feel like it would, because in my head, I feel like it's completely reversed that like the Catholics are like, all you have to do is believe. <laughs> and the Protestants are like, maybe be cool. This is kind of the, the crux what, of this issue, which is that Protestants who by their own teachings mm-hmm. and their own founding of the faith, they would say, well, it doesn't matter how what good things you do. You have to believe in Jesus and that's it. Right. 52% of Protestants did not say that. No shit. They said you have to be a, a good person position. too. So they're wrong about their own stated beliefs. Um, they also asked them, uh, hey, Protestants, do you believe the Bible provides all the religious guidance you need or do you need the Bible and you should listen to what the church tells you, Uh-oh. which is the Catholic position. Uh-huh. 52% of Protestants said, yeah, you should listen to what your church tells you. They're wrong <laughs> about their own beliefs. Now, when they ask Catholics the same question, 81% said uh, you have to believe in God and be a good person, oh, which okay. is what the church teaches. Uh, 75% said you have to listen to the read the bible and follow it and you have to listen to the church Mm -hmm. catholics knew their positions better than protestants knew their beliefs are you with me here i am i'm just surprised because i feel like catholicism has a sort of reputation of like god forgive me for being so like (laughs) like reductive in this but like gangsters or murderers like they go to church every sunday and they're absolved even though like they do all these horrible things that like if they go and confess every sunday and like do their penance then they're super good (laughs) so i guess maybe you're kind of assuming too many movies (laughs) you're kind of assuming they all know what the beliefs of their faith are or that they don't understand it like you're trying to find logic in something that is inherently illogical yeah. to begin with. So it's going to get confusing. But when it came down to it, mm-hmm. here's the here's the takeaway from all this. How many Protestants believe all you need is the Bible and all you have to do is accept Jesus, which is their stated position? Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what denomination you are. Mm-hmm. If you are Protestant, that is what you believe. Right. 30% believe in both. Only 30%. Wow. Um, when it comes to Catholics, how many of them reject all that because that is their stated position? Um, 68%. Huh. So like 70% of Catholics know what the Catholic Church teaches. Well, I, and they accept it that way. And Only 30% of Protestants know what their faith teaches them and accept it. And who, who is that on? Does that mean that 
Like, who are you blaming for this ignorance? Yeah. So does that mean, like, Protestant churches are no longer teaching what they're supposed to be teaching? Or they focus on other things? Yeah, and at what point does, like, the label become utterly meaningless because you're going to teach and think what you want (laughs) to think? You're going to mold your particular flavor of Christianity into what you believe anyway. I think that's kind of the moral of this story. They are cafeteria Christians, more or less. They believe what they want to believe. It has nothing to do with doctrine. No. Um, They kind of get a sense, like, if you go to any evangelical church, church or something you go to Joel Osteen's church you go to uh some hardcore Baptist church they will still tell you you need to accept Jesus and stuff but like a lot of people who go to these churches that's not the takeaway message there they're hearing other stuff that either matters more or they're raised to be in that religion and like it's more of a cultural thing for them anyway so it's not about a doctrinal like yep these are the things I believe but how would Lutheranism like how did the Lutheran church survive if they're saying like all you have to do is read the Bible and believe in Jesus? We will help you interpret the Bible, but mm. really you just got to rely on the Bible. I may be wrong. I will help you through this. All, this is what the Protestant like, pastors do. Like seek your own do. answers kind of thing? Um, let me teach you how to read the Bible properly sure. is what I think a lot of the Protestant pastors And nobody can read it without yeah. assistance. Which is why if you go to a lot of the bigger churches, mm-hmm. what do they do? Here's a passage. Let me walk you through it so yeah. you understand what God was trying to do. Let That's me what they do. it to a fun story I heard yes. last week. If you go to a Catholic church... You're going to hear less of the anecdotal, like that sort of, it's much more traditional, uh-huh. ritualistic. Yeah. But at the Protestant church, they're mostly saying, here's a verse or a chapter. Let me walk you through it. Let me give you examples so you could use this in your life because I'm going to help you interpret the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's what they do, um, which goes back to the doctrine that the Bible is all you need, but let me help you get there. Sure. Um, so it's not, that's in itself isn't hypocritical. <laughs> if you go back about, Uh, several years, I think in 2010, Mm -hmm. the Pew Research Center did a separate study where they were like, how much do people know about religion in general? Like if we ask you basic... Atheists did like really fucking good at it. did really good. We dominated that test more so than any other group. Uh, We were close to like whatever second place was, but we scored higher on a test of religious knowledge. Um, At the time, I remember thinking like, well, that makes sense to me. I mean, I know I'm biased, but like that makes sense to me because... Atheists know about religion. We understand what religious beliefs are, Mm -hmm. and we reject them. Like, it's an active thing. So, yeah, we would know about religion. But if you're religious, you don't really have an incentive. This is what I thought. You don't have an incentive to know about other religions. Mm -hmm. So you might not... If you're Protestant, maybe you don't understand Mormon doctrine. Or if you're um, a Catholic, you don't care what Lutherans believe or whatever. And I think there's an argument to be made that if you are religious, it's very likely you grew up religious, and Mm -hmm. most communities that have strong religious foundations are very insular. So they don't don't have to learn anything else. And it turns out you don't even know your own stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I thought you would at least know your own religion then, and I was wrong about that. They don't know that either. Um, So... Anyway, uh, and just to that point, the same survey that came out today asked, um, what was the name of that period when Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church? It's a trivia question. Uh What did you call that period of time? And I think they gave it as a multiple choice. Okay, give me the multiple choices. Um, I don't remember what they all were, but the right answer is the Reformation. Oh, yeah, yeah. 85% of atheists got that right. (laughs) That is more than the Protestants themselves. For us atheists. (laughs) Um, And by the way, that's more than any individual Protestant group, too. (laughs) Um, And then they asked the question who inspired the Reformation? Martin Luther. Uh, 75% of atheists got that one right, too. 
71% of Protestants. Oh, guys. <laughs> Got that right. Oh, Though I should guys. say black Protestants scored higher than anybody. So at least there's that. But again, atheists knew their stuff here. They knew the history. They mm-hmm. knew kind of the beliefs, which is why we say no to them, because we know it's all BS. Right. And, and yet the I believers think, themselves don't seem to get their own beliefs. I think a lot of people, and this wasn't my experience, I don't know if it was yours, but when, you know, my family was Catholic growing up, not not very Catholic, but um, so when I became an atheist, it was just sort of me rejecting religion at large. But I think I w- I've heard anecdotally some stories of people who grew up in some kind of religion a little more like, more impressed upon them that was really part of their life that you know okay and I, I don't believe in catholicism anymore but i'm gonna check out lutheranism or i'm gonna check out like even buddhism just like something because they want to try something else so they might have a little more firsthand experience of like okay this didn't work for me but there must be a god so one of these guys got it right and so if you like bounce around you're like mm, <laughs> i've heard it yeah that it's unbelievable that how few people seem to know their own beliefs, which just goes to show you they're not religious because they believe the doctrine. They're religious for other reasons. It's cultural. It's inherited from their parents, more or less. They kind of like the environment of going to church and Mm -hmm. like maybe they're inspired by church, but it's not because they fully agree with the doctrine, which is again, why we, when we go back to the Nashville statement thing, they're all disagreeing on these things. And the hardcore Christians who like put that statement together are saying, we're drawing a line in the sand here. Why do you think so many progressive Christians got mad about it? Because when it comes down to what does it mean to be a Christian? We just talked about two of the big things Mm -hmm. when it comes to being a Protestant. This is what it means. Saying, you know, rejecting LGBT rights and treating gay people like crap. That's not one of the fundamentals. That is something you're bringing to the table. Yeah. And yet the people who signed that statement are saying, nope, that's uh, that's part of the doctrine. You have to accept it or you're not really a Christian. That's um, fine. All right. Keep isolating your own people. That's <laughs> right. great. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so in the aftermath of the hurricane, everybody's given their hot takes, right? And uh, Matt Walsh, who... Um, <laughs> who uh, listeners of this podcast, I presume, have at least heard of. Super conservative Christian, kind of like a Fox News analyst, but for Jesus. Yeah, not the Matt Walsh from Veep, who is one of the founders of, I think, UCB. Not that guy. He's awesome. He's he's cool. (laughs) Um, So he posted a picture of a woman holding a newborn and then a man in, like, fatigues, holding, carrying both of them through, like, knee-high water, it seems. And the, the caption was, woman cradles and protects child. Man carries and protects both. This is how it ought to be, despite what your gender studies professor says. And I just wanted to bring that up because the best part about this is that people didn't even engage in it in any <laughs> meaningful way. Like, nobody was like, no, that's not how it works. Like, that's bullshit. So Matt like, Walsh is pushing the complimentarian, yes. like, women are take care of the babies. Right. Man protects the woman and the baby. Yeah. And I feel like people in kind of our position are constantly, like, correcting people. Like, no, that's not that's not what we believe. That's not how it works. And so for whatever reason, the internet was sort of done with him. And so, <laughs> so instead, they've been posting the most excellent series of pictures. Like, <laughs> there's one of a dog with a cat on her back with a mouse on the cat 
and just the same <laughs> woman cradles and protects child, men carries and protects. Like it's just posting random pictures of like this this horrifying statue of Michael Jackson and a monkey <laughs> in gold, and it's just really brought me a lot of joy because it's just like nobody's engaging him because it's not they're wor- mocking him. Yeah, instead. it's not worth talking about this, anymore. By the way, this uh, one of the criticisms I've gotten over the years is just like you're mocking them. You're making fun of these beliefs, but you're not engaging the beliefs. Mm-hmm. There's value to the mockery. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause again, if you take Matt Walsh's thing, which you know, he made in total seriousness, like oh this is God, how it should so, be. And so earnest. the entire response is you're full of shit and we're going to make fun of you. Uh-huh. Or just to take Donald Trump, he does these things that are very serious, but you have all these late night comedians just trashing him and mm-hmm. mocking him mercilessly for it. And you know, it drives him crazy. Oh God. Um, that stuff oh, has especially value. Especially Donald Trump. That stuff has no value. no sense of humor about himself. Um, because when you identify the bullshit and you call it out and mm-hmm. make fun of it, it's so much easier to understand why it's wrong. Yeah. And well, I think that's why this whole thing that uh, the, and we haven't really done a podcast together since the Nazi marches. Oh God. Um, yeah. yeah. That was a whole thing that happened while, while we were both away yes. from each other. Um, but just my favorite part about all of that, like obviously it was a horrible demonstration of racism and shit. But my favorite part was just, like, making fun of these, like, 20-year-old, like, high and tight haircut-wearing, tiki torch-carrying motherfuckers. Because, like, they... It, I think it diminishes them as a threat. If I, if we look at them and like, oh, huh, no, what are you, <laughs> sweetie? That's a tiki torch. I, that's not a. That's a tiki torch. <laughs> are you keeping mosquitoes away? Like, it just sort of diminishes their ability to like be a force to be reckoned with. And we're like, oh no. I remember reading something a long time ago blisters? that like people didn't. Maybe I just missed it. Like it was simplified. People didn't really do that with Hitler. Mm-hmm. You didn't make fun of him uh-huh. so much. But like there's a, and I'm not comparing the two, but like when you have someone like him versus whatever enemy you want to call out today, Uh any group that's doing something horrible and you mock them, that maybe diminishes that power quite a bit. I think it does. And so, yeah, mockery serves the purpose in that sense. Yeah, And I think when you see things like, and and I think a great example of it, I don't know if it's a great example, but um, Kim Jong-il and Kim Mm Jong-un, who both are like, horrible fascist dictators and have caused great misery in their country and, and elsewhere, but like are so just kind of silly on their face. This sort of like this narrative that's come out about them of like, they play basketball against people and think they can do slam dunks and like this sort of like, Self coddling thing of the, and I think and Trump has the same thing. The South Park guys make a movie about yes. Kim Jong Il. Like, uh, it's bad if like governments ignoring them because mm-hmm. they don't think they're as powerful as they might be. Right. But it kind of makes you realize, like, no, this, this is stupid, and we can we need to fight back against this right. because it's ridiculous. And because w- not all of us can do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am not going to be able to lead a counter protest against Nazis personally. That's not sort of in my wheelhouse of or sphere of influence. But I can make fun of them a whole fucking lot to, mm-hmm. you know, a medium. And it's only funny if there's some truth to it. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I wanted to bring up two more quick things okay. that shouldn't take too long. But uh, there was a picture, two pictures that I saw after the hurricane or during the hurricane. One was a picture of what appears to be a cross. Maybe it's a telephone pole. I'm not really <laughs> sure. But it was it, whoever sorry. took the picture. Whoever took the picture seemed to think it was a cross. Ever. Can I see it? Yeah. 
And it was still standing while everything around it seemed to be blowing away. Oh, that is 100% a telephone pole. And the, <laughs> the argument, the person's caption was like, uh, this city hasn't forgotten that the wind and waves obey him, which is a Bible verse. Uh-oh. Like, as, Uh-oh. If, as if this is a sign from God that everything's okay. I saw a similar picture with the Virgin Mary statue somewhere. It was in the pile of rubble. It survived, I guess. It's like, you think this is a sign from God? No. No, no, if if God wanted to send a sign, this is a horrible way to send yeah, you a message that he yeah, loves you. No, that shit bums me out. A nicer God would have maybe, you know, blown the hurricane away from Houston. Or, hey, you know what, Hammett? You know what a really chill God would hmm. do? Appear and be like, hey, guys, <laughs> here are the things that you're doing wrong. Yeah. Could you stop? Yeah, several Thanks. people, dozens of people maybe have died from the hurricane, but at least the Virgin Mary's still standing up. It's... And it, it's this sort of pattern that we see over and over and over again, that something horrible happens, and then, like, one person survives, like, a building explosion. It's like, oh, it's God's will. Like, no. Like, that is diminishing the fact that people died. Yeah. So what, did, the, did it's those like people calling, sin or it's, not be good enough? It's like a giant plane crash happens, and there's one survivor, right. and it's like, she's a miracle. God saved her. God no, just God killed destroyed dozens of people, people in a horrible fiery crash like that's what god did don't say she's a miracle unless you're willing to acknowledge that he just killed all those other people same thing in sports yeah god helped your team win yeah god helped the other team lose you never hear that one my favorite version of this pushback it's like thanking a serial killer for murdering your neighbors but not getting you Ooh, that's dark like yeah i like that um but it's if you believe god caused the hurricane if you believe god it's part of God's plan because you think everything's part of God's plan. Like, don't point to the one silly thing and say that's a sign from God as the destruction is happening mm-hmm. all around. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I super hate all of this. <laughs> one, one last thing because it's a, a follow up. Yeah, really quick. Do, do we hate the Red Cross now? I keep seeing anti Red Cross things. <sighs> from what I've seen, the Red Cross is not efficient at doing good things with the money. And there's a lot of investigative reporting that shows that they are wasting money. They don't know what to do with the money properly. It's not all going where they say it goes. People who have worked there say it's inefficient. Um, I don't know that it's bad per se, but I would say if you're looking to donate to the hurricane or any other cause, um, there find a good local charity that's doing good stuff. I feel like this is the first time I feel like this is the first time I've heard something like this. Usually it's kind of rumbling up. And then all of a sudden, like, a big thing like this happens. But I feel like up until last week, it was like, if you have money, give it to the Red Cross. They will get it where it needs to go. Um, and you want to believe that. And you know what? Presidents have said give to the Red Cross right. as a pretty neutral way of saying here's how you could help. Right. Um, but there's a lot of evidence, if you look for it, that so shows it's not efficient. So Okay. It's there. All right. Um, I know I can say this, that uh, Foundation Beyond Belief, a group I've worked with in the past, mm-hmm. They do a really good job of vetting good secular charities that are doing on-the-ground work. Okay. Um, if you want to give, to don't give to the Red Cross. Give through Foundation Beyond Belief, and you can go to fbbgive.org, uh-huh. and they'll take the money. 100% of it goes to the charities they vet. I think they've picked one. I don't remember which one it was, and they're, they're going to pick others in the future. But uh, they are charities they have vetted. They know they are efficient. They do all the vetting mm-hmm. and selecting for you. Um, but your money's going to go to a good place then, okay. and it's a it's a good way to give. Um, I had one last story, which is a follow-up on something we've talked about before, because it's the Ark Encounter. 
one of the things we've said is we never know their real attendance numbers. Do we get that? Well, interesting to ask, because we still don't have anything official from the state yet. Ark Encounter hasn't released it, but Ken Ham was trying to push back against all the criticism he gets. And one of the things we talked about is there was a safety fee, 50 cents per ticket that they didn't want to pay. It led to chaos. Now they're paying it. Um, Well, he wrote a letter to the Grant County News newspaper uh, recently, and basically he was rebutting it. He was saying, look, ARC has done great things. We're helping the cities around us. And in the process, he said, said, we have just sent more than $70,000 to the city representing July's payment for the safety tax. Uh $70,000 divided by five is... Divided by 0.5, because 50 cents, means that's 140,000 people in July. And if you do some quick back of the envelope so calculation, one point six eight million for the year. If you extrapolated, okay, I was a literature major, so that was really right. fucking close. <laughs> but the point is, if you take it from oh, you made you gave seventy thousand dollars for a fifty cent fee, mm-hmm. that means one hundred forty thousand people came in July. Mm-hmm. Which, if you said that every month, that's a one point six eight. Which million is probably not people. necessarily true because January happened. So yeah, so let's talk about <laughs> what that winter. means. Um, first of all. Interesting. That's not a bad number. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually pretty close to the early estimates for Ark Encounter. Between one and two million is what they uh, said? Between one and two million, closer to two million is what they began saying when this whole thing was in the works. Mm-hmm. And then they kept lowering that estimate month after month, year after year. Um, and now we're like, maybe they got a million for the year. Like, we don't know. Um, but uh, let's talk about two things. First of all, like you said, that this is July. If you're not getting good attendance in July, when are you going right. to get it? Um, so don't impress us by saying, look at how good our July numbers are, because mm-hmm. we know that's not indicative of the rest of the year. Right. Um, as soon as the school year begins, that number is going to drop. drop. When it's the winter, that number is going to drop. Mm-hmm. So don't pretend like you're getting these numbers all the time. We don't know what their numbers are like in the other month. Right. It'll be very interesting to learn that and watch that in the future. Mm-hmm. But the other thing to keep in mind is that one of the things they said, we don't want to pay the safety fee. Remember that? Mm-hmm. They said, we don't want to pay it because it's asking too much money. At first, Ark Encounter said, we'll give you $350,000 for the year, and we'll cap it at that. And the city said, no, you're probably going to get more in attendance, so you're lowballing us. Then Ark Encounter said, we'll give you $500,000 for the year. And the city still said no. They said no, $0.50 per ticket, Uh no cap. So you said they said $350,000? They offered that. Mm -hmm. Times 0.5, right? Uh, divided by 0.5, they're saying we'll get 700,000 people for the year. Okay. And the city said, even by your own estimates, yeah. <laughs> you're going to get more. So we're not going to cap it. You're, sh- you're not giving us what we deserve. Right. Um, even 500,000 estimates, uh, it says that we're going to get a million people. Uh-huh. The city said, no, we think you're going to get more. Because, again, your own estimates said you're going to get more. Okay. By paying 70,000 in July, Ken Ham is basically, and using that as some sort of harbinger for the rest of the year ken ham saying yeah we're gonna bring we're gonna give the city way more than five hundred thousand dollars he's basically hurting his own argument right for why they should have kept the amount so the city was totally right to reject all those things not accept a compromise mm-hmm. and just go without a cap so uh self it's an own goal for ken ham not only did you give up your july attendance mm-hmm. you basically said why the city should not put a cap on uh, how much you give. Um, but we're still waiting to hear the full attendance numbers. So. Oh, with bated breath. With bated breath. Um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, hey, welcome back all. Thanks for listening. 
Um, I did want to add one correction from like a month ago that we never got around to okay. say. I think I mentioned a month ago that Jay Sekulow, who is one of Donald Trump's lawyers. He's a secular superhero. Um, <laughs> that was my dumb joke. Um, I thought he was an evangelical Christian off the top of my head is what uh, I said. He's not. He's actually like, he's Jewish by birth. He's a messianic Jew, like a Jew for Jesus oh. sort of guy. So let me make that correction. I was wrong about that. Okay. Um, I did want to thank some of our Patreon donors uh, for supporting this podcast. Uh, Brandon C, Kathy B, Becky S, Alice A, Andrea S, Brendan D, David L. Thank you so much yeah, for your thanks, support. Guys. We appreciate it. Um, did you want to say something for? Yeah, well, Etsy? I mean, just on on that on that note, like, thank you so much for everybody who supports us. patreoncom slash podcast. Even a dollar a month is like super helpful and really meaningful to me personally. If people are willing to like chip us money for. For this, um, yeah. So my Etsy shop is uh, "Bitches Get Stitched Done." Uh, I am running a promotion right now. So listeners of the podcast, if you use promo code Atheist, uh, you can get fifteen percent off uh, anything in the shop. So just Atheist, just Atheist. Cool. Um, so go nuts with that. If you have a problem with it, just tweet at me, or I'll figure some shit out, or message me on Etsy. Um, yeah. So thanks. I've Again, got a couple of orders from listeners. That it's always really nice when I get orders from listeners because I get an order and then they'll be like, hey, I love the show. I'm like, an order and a compliment. That's awesome. <laughs> it feeds my <laughs> ego so much. Um, you can but, reach us at Twitter, too. Yeah, uh, I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. I'm at Hem and Meta. I'm coming close to a thousand followers. Look at you. Next stop, verified. <laughs> this podcast will not help you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is not a goal I think I will achieve in this lifetime. It's all right. Uh we'll be back next week. Thanks yeah. for listening. We'll see you then. Thanks guys. <laughs>